Three, two, one. I just scared my dog. <laughs> she just jumped like 10 feet in the air. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the QCast. Uh, I am your host, John Braverman, joined for the third time uh, with my best friend and fellow podcaster, Amir Baruzian. What's up, my man? Hey, what's up, dude? How are you? Oh, I'm always amazing you. Great, dude. It's uh, The weekend's almost here. It's bright and sunny out. I'm alive. Nothing to complain about. Yeah, it's beautiful outside. We can't go out there, but right. it is pretty. Yeah, yeah. As soon as we can go outside, though, it's just going to rain. So, uh, no, no one will go anymore. I mean, that's the humor. Is as soon as everyone's allowed to go outside, <laughs> everyone will stay inside and watch sports. Right. Well, I would too if sports came back. So I'm uh, I'm excited to chat again. Um, if you uh, if you haven't gotten to the third podcast yet, I know Amir, you haven't heard it, but my buddy Drew Palencia joined me, and we talked about uh, churches and and faith based organizations in a time of quarantine and and how do they operate. Uh, we, we looked a little at technology and, and how to use that and just staying in touch with people that matter the most. Um, but we're back and I've got a couple topics for today, but I want to start with something from episode two, which is you are officially a podcaster. You have a live podcast feed. Yeah. And, uh, and it went quick, man. It went quick. Yeah. I, we have a live podcast feed, uh, 21 pod it's up and running. Uh, we did our first episode went live Tuesday night. So super excited about that. Um, Actually, I had literally stayed up almost all night getting the editing done, and then uh, it's just one of those amazing feelings, getting it published. And since then, uh, we uploaded a bonus episode that went live yesterday with just some additional content that didn't really align with our talk with our topic from Tuesday, but was still some really good content that I want to share with everyone. So, um, you know, in my mind, I think we're doing great. But in reality, it's probably not that awesome. But to me, it's fantastic. Like we've been live for three days. We have uh, almost sixty total downloads, which sixty thousand, right? No, no, sixty. Yeah, point zero point zero one percent of my bandwidth. Yeah, uh, I got a long <laughs> way to go, but um, it's pretty cool, man. It's it's definitely been time consuming and at the same time very gratifying. And just awesome. We're we're live on every social media platform. Uh, we're getting some tweets and retweets, which is awesome. And I've definitely been uh, pimping out as many of my friends as possible, begging them to listen and like and subscribe so that we can get more listeners. But hey, that's what friends are for. It's uh, it's good, man. That's cool. So you took the episode that we recorded, and and those of that are listening on this feed actually heard that episode on episode two. Uh, and we did two different edits. So I edited it into one forty-two minute episode. And you actually took it down to 21 minutes to fit with the 21 pod model. Um, how different was it when you compared the two edits and, and how did you feel kind of getting through that process? It was a little different. So, you know, I, th- I think when I started editing, obviously 21 minutes is the goal to get it down to. And so I went through and I listened to it a couple times and decided really what were, what were the essential topics? What were, what were not essential points to try to trim as much as possible and when I went back through and I thought I had trimmed everything, I was like, oh, man, I'm still at 30 minutes. Let's go back again and trim some more and cut out some ums and move some stuff around. So there's a couple bits in there that are just in a different order slightly. Uh, there's some talking points that are just not there because I, I just I felt like they weren't as essential as some other parts. And I want to make sure we got the most important content in there. 
like our, our we had a little conversation about uh, Russell Westbrook didn't really make the final cut on mine absolutely made the final cut on yours but I thought it was more important to get you talking about how the Rockets are going to win a championship than it was to talk about how much we both love Russell Westbrook and he's the greatest player of all time I, I don't think that's what I said <clears throat> I think what you said is you don't hate Russell Westbrook I think I, that was the exact, I don't hate I actually yeah. think I said I don't hate anybody thank you <laughs> fair yeah but um yeah it was good it was it was it took me a long time to edit that episode i think overall if i just look at the amount of hours spent just on the episode itself editing it i probably put in maybe six hours and a lot of it was because it was my first time really uh, editing a full episode on logic so it was a lot of learning a lot of pausing and jumping on youtube and watching videos and jumping back and doing edits and learning Key, keyboard shortcuts and commands and by the time I was done um, I felt I feel like I learned a lot and I accomplished a lot and ironically when I went back to edit the bonus episode which is only nine minutes of content and the final cut it took me maybe 20 minutes to edit that versus you know six hours to edit something twice as long yeah I- I, I really get that. I think one of the things I value, obviously, I've got this podcast feed. I've got two podcast feeds, and no one listens to them. I mean, I've got like 20 fans that download the episodes, um, and, and then you get the randos that see a name and they jump on. Um, it, that's not why I do it. I mean, there's a part of it that is there's some people in my life that choose to hear my voice this way, and I, I love them, and if this adds value to their life in any way, it's like that YouTube, you know, thing we talked about last time. Great. Then, then I feel served as a human that I help someone. But then the other part is I get a lot out of just learning how to do something like that. I mean, if I go back to the first edit uh, and I was talking to Drew about this last night regarding what you learned, um, my first edit was terrible. It, it was clipping all over the place. I cut things too short. I actually overstripped silence out. So I took out so much of the background noise that it just sounded like we were in a completely empty room. Um, and then the other day when I was editing our podcast, it was so much easier to do. And it's just a skill that I have now that's not 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 a great skill. I mean, it's like playing basketball, right? I, I can I can shoot. I, I'm not playing in a league. Uh, same thing. I can edit a podcast. It doesn't mean I can... Uh, go do this professionally, but I just love that I got to learn something. Yeah, that's that's the gratifying part. Well, it's twofold. So that's part of the gratifying part is knowing that I made it. Like I not like made it, you know, nationally unpopular, but I made the content. And when I listen to the podcast, obviously you are tremendously instrumental in the content of the content of the of the podcast, and thank you for that. But I I made the artwork. I made the intro music. I did the edits. I made the final product. And, and that alone, if nobody listens to it, that alone is is it's just an amazing feeling. And, you know, the minute that I got that email back saying that you're live and you're published, it, I can't I can't really explain the emotion. Uh, it's just like, I don't know, it's just one of the best feelings. And the other part of it that's really cool for me is that like I'm in the grand scheme of things in this world, I'm a nobody. Eight billion people, I'm one. Not really anybody major. But now anybody anywhere in the world can actually hear my voice and get a glimpse into my mind and my thoughts. And whether they agree with it or disagree with it, 
they can have a have an input and a conversation and that's amazing like i have family on the other side of the world that is messaging me saying i just subscribed to your podcast i've never even communicated with them outside of you know a few pictures on instagram but now they're listening to me and that's it's just a cool feeling yeah i mean i super agree right i i I don't know that anyone will find value, but I love that if someone would find value, they would go get it. Now, the thing that I'm very conscious of is I have this YouTube channel, right? And when I wanted to create the YouTube channel in the first place, I just wanted to learn the skill of recording video and editing video. And so I published my first video, which was the Leica CL. It was a camera that I owned. It was a reboxing. Everyone does unboxings. Well, I was getting rid of this camera, so I reboxed it. And if you follow that channel, you got to watch the journey of like putting that camera away, not understanding lighting, not really know how to record, you know, by episode four, I think I bought a really nice soft light and that gets better, but then the audio is terrible. And like, you can follow this sequence and it's great. And friends of mine and people that care about that stuff, were really excited to see that journey. But what's funny is people don't perceive you that way, right? They don't go back and watch the history of a YouTube channel. So the other day I logged into the YouTube creator studio and it, it shows you the comments you've received on your video. And I never look at those. And I went back to the, like a CL video and there's a few hundred views and which, okay. And there's comments of people like, this is a terrible video. Your lighting sucks. You're bad at this. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. The internet's not always friendly, but it's real. I mean, it's real opinions at least whether they're warranted or not, but no, first of all, I mean, that's, I mean, you said a hundred, couple hundred views on a video and in my mind, I'm like, that is freaking amazing. So whether, you know, you got good comments or bad comments, great work on getting it out there and having people watch it. If nothing else, the eight people that will listen to this will have opinions about what we said. Uh, they're all going to hate me if they listen to your podcast because you're an asshole and you edited that in a way that made me sound like I started the Jordan debate. I mean, you did. No. You said Russell Westbrook is the greatest player of all time. That is, uh, if anyone wants the true story, please go listen to episode two of my podcast, not episode one of Amir's, because those read very differently of how we got into a discussion about Jordan. I mean, look, anybody listening to this, I just want to let you know that editing works in many different ways. And so you can choose to believe that the way John's episode goes is the right way or mine, but nobody will really know the truth. I well, will, great news is I'm editing that out. So Yeah, I will say this. So I got a phone call from a buddy of mine last night who listened to the episode. And he's like, you know, I I have to disagree with your friend. And I was like, okay, like let's let's talk. And that that to me was really cool because that's a that's the whole purpose, right? We put content out there for people to listen to to spur conversation. Well what did he disagree with? Now I want to know. So he disagrees that Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. And that, I, I mean, <laughs> I heard him say that and I had to ask him a few times just to make sure I was hearing it right. Here's what he said. How many Hall of Fame shooting guards played when Michael Jordan played? Reggie Miller. Who else? Clyde Drexler. Um, I don't know. I'd have yeah, to go look it up. It's, it's, sure. And that's what he said to me. And I was like, oh, yeah, Reggie Miller, Clyde Drexler, Joe Dumars. Not a Hall of Famer. Jeff Hornacek was one. There's like four, four or five. So the argument that he's making is that you can't say Jordan is the greatest of all time when he had no competition in his position. You compare him against big men. The big names in that era were big men. 
nobody was there to compete against them position for position. You look at Kobe as a shooting guard, tons of people as a shooting guard that are Hall of Famers that he competed against and still rose above. That was his argument. So we went back and forth a little bit, and he was, you know, we're we're just having having our conversation around that. And I thought that was interesting. I don't agree with him. Uh, Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. Um, but one takeaway that I had from that conversation was that a lot of it does really depend on your era. So I grew up watching Jordan. I grew up understanding the game of basketball through Michael Jordan. And so when I see a Kobe Bryant, not to take anything away from his talents, but I see somebody trying to be like Mike, just like I tried to be like Mike, just like we all did, except he's really good at it. But he's still just trying to be like Mike. And he wasn't. He wasn't undefeated in the finals. He didn't have multiple first defensive, you know, first team defensive players, multiple MVPs. He he didn't meet that same level. And it got me thinking what's interesting about LeBron is that LeBron isn't trying to be like Mike. And I don't know if that makes him better or not in the long run. I guess history and time will tell. But it was just it was just an interesting conversation. So what's your perspective on that? So I'll go back to what I said in our podcast, which is it's really hard to compare eras mm-hmm. because if you play that game, then no one will ever be great because then, I mean, you can't say Wilt's great because he was built like Shaq when era where everyone was built like me. So then you can't, you can't love Russell because he got a lot of rebounds in an era where everyone had 40 rebounds. And then Jordan's not great because the best shooting guard was Clyde. Well, I mean, Clyde's like the fourth best shooting guard of all time. So, I mean... And that even that's debatable whether you put Dwayne Wade ahead of him or not. I think comparing eras is always hard, but but I did something last night that I think is relatable to this. So uh, obviously our our conversation sparked some thought for me of like I don't ever want to underappreciate how good an athlete is either. I think it's really easy to do the Draymond Green thing right now, where you're like, oh, Charles Barkley sucks. Charles Barkley's freaking fantastic. So I I was watching some old YouTube games. You know, YouTube the NBA's put up a lot of the games right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I watched Iverson game one NBA finals against Shaq and Kobe. Is that the step over Tyron Lue? Oh, yeah. I mean, that game is so interesting. So he scores 30 points in the first half and then they just double team him and take him out of the game. It looks like James Harden right now. He can't score. He's taking terrible shots. The team had no one else. It's Aaron McKee, Dikembe Mutombo, um, Aaron Snow. I mean, it's, it's not good. And they can't really score. And they can't really stop the Lakers. Kobe is just doing Kobe things. He looks amazing in the game. And then it comes down to the end of the game. They get a lucky strip. Kobe loses the ball in a play that he probably shouldn't have. The Lakers are going to Shaq too much in that space. He can't make a free throw. And then Iverson frees up on one shot, hits that shot over uh, Lou and steps over him. But God, watching Shaq throw up, like I think it was like 42 and 17 or something. And then Iverson puts up 45. It's a just a baller of a game. You don't get a lot of those anymore. Not in today's no. Not in today's league. No, and, and uh, power forward for the Lakers at that time, Horace Grant. The the spacing's terrible. They they inbound the ball and go to the post every single time. And then after that, I watched um, the first time Shaq played Yao, mm-hmm. and that's a heck of a a game to watch too. Just a uh, remarkable to watch Yao actually be able to physically compete with Shaq. And you see Shaq getting frustrated of like, oh my god, I can't just bowl over those this guy. But then Shaq starts to kind of out agility him, and Yao wins in the end. But it's just a great back and forth. Yeah, it's it's it, it is fun watching those, especially 
with how much the sport changes and the, the whole approach to the game changes. So uh, let me ask you a couple of questions that came up um, in my conversations last night. Who's the greatest point guard of all time? Uh, the greatest point guard of all time is Magic Johnson. You think so? Yeah. See, I don't. Who's better than Magic? John Stockton. Oh, no, he's not. God, it's the Carl Malone point. They ran a pick and roll. He scored a lot of points. Doesn't, How many titles did he win? Doesn't matter. It does. I mean, if we go, you can't go by titles, first of all. Well, I, sure, I can. Um, I'm talk- it didn't work. I mean, okay. He's the all-time assist leader. He made tons of players around him great, and he was a point guard. I will agree that John Stockton is the first or second best passer of all time. Him and Steve Nash. Why is Magic? Magic could run the break, put the ball on a dime. He could find anyone anywhere. He was every bit as skilled of a passer as Stockton was, but he managed to score on top of it. He won constantly at every level. He competed on the highest stage. He also had an amazing team around him for his entire career. He had a guy in James Worthy that couldn't hit a shot in a big game until his fifth season. He had Kareem, who is arguably one of the top five players of all time. He had Kareem, who I would argue is probably the second best player of all time. But he didn't have Kareem his whole career. And he won a championship without Kareem. Yeah. He retired because of AIDS. He came back. He was still an all-star. He still limped that Lakers team into a dogfight with the Bulls. Magic's. I'm not saying he's bad. Incredible. I just don't know if he's the best. Well, if, he, if you said he was bad, I'd hang up on you. He's the greatest <laughs> of all time. Great, greatest point guard. Okay, so you're going Stockton, which is wrong, and I'm going to go with Magic. Okay, power forward. Tim Duncan. It's not close. Okay. I, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree I, I don't, that it's Tim I don't Duncan. think there's anyone in the stratosphere. There are people that are close. Who? Barkley? He's in the conversation as much as I don't. don't say, if you say Malone, I'm going to. Look, I don't, I don't love. I hate Carl Malone. But he's in the conversation. He's not. He's not. He's not the fifth best power forward of all time. I, I don't know how fair it is to say that because he had, if if the argument is that he was in a in a good system and that's why he was great and he doesn't deserve that accolade because the pick and roll made his career, I can make that same argument uh, about any team and any player that ever played in a trade neutral offense. That was great. I could say Scottie Pippen is tremendously overrated because he's a product of Michael Jordan in a, in a triangle offense. He shouldn't get the accolades. Or, um, shit, maybe we can even say Michael Jordan. The reason he won six titles is not because he's Michael Jordan. It's because he was in a Phil Jackson-run triangle offense, which, by the way, was also the reason Kobe won half of his titles, was in a Phil Jackson-run triangle offense. No, you're, you're confused. The triangle, they weren't even running the triangle by the time Kobe won. They, they were still claiming they were, but they weren't really running that, that well, offense. I'm not saying that's how I feel. I'm saying that's, that's an argument that you could make. So I think you got to take, you can't exclude and say, well, this person's great because they had a great point guard, but this per- point guard's not great because they had a great power forward uh, or they were in a great offense. You just have to take their body of work. And like, I agree, Tim Duncan is the best power forward of all time, body of work, but Carl Malone is in the conversation. Maybe not number one, but he's in the conversation. Who's the best center of all time? Uh, Kareem. Okay. I don't think I can disagree with that. I, I mean, it's for me, it's close. It's Kareem or, or Russell. And but not Shaq it's hard. or Wilt. No. No. I, I think I think Shaq's fourth. I think I put Wilt over Shaq. Um, again, it's really hard to compare eras. But, you, you know, for me, Shaq was 
I mean, obviously incredibly dominant, um, but his career tapered off pretty badly when he wasn't as physically imposing. He, you know, with all his statements aside about he made it when it counted, he didn't. Um, and that hurt his teams. The only the only position left is small forward. Yeah, do you have do you have a pick there for center or for small forward? No, small forward. That's a tough one. Um, it's hard to say. I think hmm, I don't have a pick there. I think it's LeBron. The pick is LeBron. <laughs> it's freaking LeBron. I mean, if you want to go Larry, go for it. No, it's no, no, fine. no, no. I wouldn't go Larry. But it's LeBron. Yeah, and, and you know what's what was tough about that? And I'm not, of course, but what was tough about that is that. LeBron plays every position. So it's almost like if you put him as small forward, he's the best small forward. If you put him as shooting guard, you could say he's the best shooting guard, but then you have to move Mike to small forward. But Mike did the same thing. No, Mike didn't. He didn't play small forward. He played shooting guard. He kind of did at times. He never played small forward. Maybe Scotty Pippen played small forward. That's true. That's true. It's LeBron. I'll give you Larry in the conversation because I think it's worth talking about. And I think depending on what happens in the next 10 years, Kevin Durant absolutely can get into that conversation that's, that's where i was going is by the end of his career durant might be in that conversation yeah and, and like don't get me wrong dr j you know dominique uh, rick barry elgin baylor like there's other ones that are great mm-hmm. but larry bird again the, the difference between him and lebron will be just in volume larry had to do that all in like nine seasons or ten seasons before his back went out and, and lebron by the time this is all done i mean when did he come in the league 2003 yeah i mean he might play 20 years. Oh, he will. Like, like he'll just have so many more games. Um, and, and you know, Katie will be a really interesting story in this way because I, I'm really hoping he can come back from his injury, but I just, I really love Katie. I think he's incredibly underappreciated people that look at those warriors teams and they do the, Oh, Katie went there. You're right. He did. Um, he made them not, not incrementally better. He made them unbeatable. Yeah. Absolutely. Without without him, they're good, and it's no knock on Clay Thompson, who I think is incredible, or Steph, who I think is incredible. But there was a guy that played the biggest defense and hit the biggest shot every single time, and that was KD. Dray- Draymond's awesome. Um, He's fine. Draymond's awesome. Um, I think I know the answer to this from your perspective, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What's the best position of all time? And that's based on the best players historically at any given position cumulatively. So for me, I think it's small forward. It's I, small forward, yeah. Because because if I had LeBron, Larry, and KD, I would take that over Pippen, you know, Jordan, Kobe, and Wade, although that's pretty good too. <laughs> okay, so shooting guard's in the conversation. <laughs> the centers can't do anything if you can't inbound them the ball, so I'm out on that. Point guards, I mean, the problem with point guards is the what you just said about you know, John Stockton is, I don't even think John Stockton's the top 20 player of all time. He's probably 25 or so. I don't know. I'll take, I think I'll take Isaiah Thomas over Stockton, by the way. What about Gary Payton? No, Gary was fine. He was, he was a lockdown defender for like three years. You know who should have been better though? Hmm. If you go back and watch, uh, I watched the uh, Suns. Jason Williams? No, no, no. I watched the Suns play the Sonics in uh, 91. 91, whenever the Suns went to the NBA Finals. Uh, first year there with Barkley. Barkley was amazing. Uh, Sean Kemp was just an animal. Sean Kemp was, yeah, he was. God, I know the finances got him and the you know other stuff, but geez, Louise. So small forward or shooting guard? 
So let's see, shooting guard. Okay, let's just think about top shooting guard. So obviously, you know, you got Jordan, Kobe, Kobe, um, Jer- Jerry West, Dwayne Wade, yep, Oscar Robertson, Steph Curry, um, Steph. Um, We're missing a ton of shooting guards. Clyde Drexler. Yeah, I mean Reggie. Yeah, that's a that's a great position, Reggie. You know who you didn't mention at all? Hmm. That where's uh where's Kevin Garnett compared to Malone for you? Would you play Garnett as a power forward or as a center? Yeah, no, power forward. It's hard to say. Honestly, I think Garnett was really good. The only thing he really has over Malone is a championship that he kind of won at the very tail end of his career. If you mm-hmm. look at stats, you can't compare the two. It's Malone. You know, the the one thing though with Garnett is that he did he is one of those just like Kobe straight out of high school, just like LeBron straight out of high school kids. So you've got two or three extra years on most other NBA players, which obviously is really benefiting LeBron in his career and how long he'll be able to play for. Yeah, I saw um I saw Garnett play in high school actually. He um he played for Farragut Academy in Chicago and the uh, high school in my hometown in Quincy, Illinois did a, a Thanksgiving tournament every year. Mm-hmm. And I uh, got to see him play. I still have a program um, when he was in high school. And KG was really interesting because he had that, you know, terrible team in Minnesota. Then they get Steph. And they should have been a great one-two combo. But then Steph wanted to get paid. And so that ended pretty badly. So Steph leaves. Then they have the one good year with, like, um, uh, Sam Cassell. And uh, what's the guy that choked his coach? Latrell Sprewell. Spree. Yeah, they were good that year. Um, then he gets, you know, the free trip to Boston, thanks Danny Ainge. Um, he goes there, and he's a stud in Boston. Yeah, if there's ever a conversation about GMs and best GMs maybe of all time, I think Danny Ainge has to be in that conversation. For, for a span of maybe half a decade or even close to a decade, he strategically set himself up for draft pick after draft pick. I think one year he had like seven draft picks in the first two rounds or something like that. Some stupid number that he just ended up trading for top talent. Oh, yeah. By the way, we didn't even mention Paul Pierce in any of the conversations for any position. Not not best ever, but in a conversation. No, that's because he doesn't belong in the conversation yet. I mean, I, I like Paul Pierce and and he's he's in the top 100. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But... Look, you're not going to put him ahead of Havelcheck or Elgin or Dr. J, Bob Cousy. You're not going to throw him ahead of, you know, Rick Barry or Bill Walton or um, David Robinson or, you know, I mean, there's so many people that just belong over him. Mm-hmm. And it's no knock on who he is or what he was. It's just. There's more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a million ways to look at it, but I, uh, I don't know. That is a that is a fun topic, but I've got another one for you, which is the topic of today's pod. Okay. We can go back to basketball on another episode, or or maybe over on your podcast. Um, but you said something profoundly stupid the other day, and I would like you to defend your honor. I'm going to give you the stage, um, and you can't get out of this one by asking what I think. This is for you. Okay. You said, and I quote: "Tom Brady is not the goat." I don't think I said that. Oh, you did. You you actually tried to say whatever he does in Tampa Bay matters, and that's going to change his legacy. So, no. So, I... Go ahead. What I said was that Tom Brady is not the most talented quarterback of all time. 
I didn't say he's not the GOAT. And you know me, I'm a Patriots fan. I'm a Brady fan. He's a Michigan boy. I like him. What I said is he's not the most talented quarterback of all time. He's a product of a system. And he's a very good product of a system. And I will argue that point, and let's argue that point, that Belichick system is what wins. The year that Tom Brady was hurt, Matt Castle came in. And for 15 games, he was the best quarterback in the league. And he got a big contract, and he went to Kansas City and didn't do anything. And every year, they plug in players at every skill position, and they're successful. And those players leave, and they're not successful elsewhere. The only person I think that they've had on their roster in a in a key position, I shouldn't say the only, one of the big ones, is Jimmy. He played well as a backup, learned a lot from that system, learned a lot from Brady, went to San Francisco, and he's doing fantastic. But you've had other players, Wes Walker included, who thrive in a Belichick system, and they go somewhere else, and they have great quarterbacks, and they don't do anything. And I'm not saying that's Brady. I'm saying... By the time it's over, in everybody's book, Brady will be considered the greatest of all time. He already is the greatest of all time, but he's not the most talented quarterback of all time. Who is? That's a good question. I don't know. I think if if you think about quarterbacks right now in the league, I believe that Aaron Rodgers has more talent than Tom Brady. I believe that Drew Brees has more talent than, than Tom Brady. I don't know if I could say that Peyton had more talent than Brady. <laughs> I don't know. That's a tough one. Steve Young might have had more talent than Brady. Actually, you know who I think had a lot of talent, and unfortunately his career was sidelined due to unfortunate, stupid circumstances, was Michael Vick. I think Vick had a ton of talent, and he couldn't recover from what happened to him. That's a. I think that's a very different argument that is worth is worth discussing because it's there's no measurement for that. I think in today's NFL, you look at the greatest of all time and you say Brady because. His his winning record, the number of Super Bowls that he has, uh, and his I mean his ability to you know consistently be there ten AFC uh, East championships in a row. He's basically made the playoffs almost every year of his career. Uh, second to last draft pick in the in in the draft, probably would never have got his chance if if uh, Bledsoe never got hurt, right? And, and I'm not taking any of those accomplishments away from him at all, but. I can't help but think, what would it be like without Belichick? Because Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. Would Jordan have been as great if he didn't have Phil? Would Kobe have been as great if he didn't have Phil? Yes, they would have been. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to answer your question. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, so Tom Brady has six Super Bowl rings. What you said actually proves the point. He's done it with no wide receivers with mediocre defenses and good defenses, with no running back and a great running back, it doesn't really matter what you've put around him, whether it was Corey Dillon or whether it was Sony Michelle, whether he had Randy Moss the one great season where he actually had a reasonable wide receiver or if he had to win with Dion Branch, he's managed to go to the Super Bowl eight times. With healthy, he's only missed the Super Bowl seven, by the way. So he's been to the Super Bowl more than he's not on a healthy season. He took a coach in Bill Belichick that, sure, I agree Belichick might be the greatest coach of all time, but let's not forget Belichick coached before Brady and didn't win anything. And suddenly he gets Brady and he's the greatest coach that's ever played. He has the comeback in Atlanta. He has the silly weird Rams game where they were just terrible, but he just willed them to that gosh darn 
title. He, you know, after they lost to the Jets, they go to the AFC Championship game eight times after that in a row. Eight times in a row. And then you have the one season. So the argument, you know, compared to Brady's usually Joe Montana. And Montana was great. But you have the statistical thing of like, well, Montana wasn't as good of a quarterback as Elway, which is probably true physically. Elway was a better quarterback in many ways. But Montana, even when he had weapons around him, never blew any, you know, kind of numbers out of the water. He just won more games, which is all you're supposed to do. So that's fine. Brady, the one season they give him a weapon, what does he throw? Like 36 touchdowns. It's the Randy Moss era. Remember that one where the the NFL red zone is just launched. They kept having to cut every freaking three minutes to the Patriots as he's throwing bombs. Yeah. And I get it. They, they lose two Super Bowls, three of them actually, right? But think of how lucky the two giant Super Bowls are. The David Tyree catch. Oh, those are those are both those are both ridiculous. Luck. Complete luck. He loses the Philly one to the Philly special, which again a backup quarterback and Nick Foles ends up beating him. Like the guy is, you know, eight minutes, three plays away from having nine titles. Yeah. He's the greatest winner of all time. And my my two cents. I don't care what he does in Tampa Bay. If he loses every game, I still think he's the GOAT. But I also think he's going to go to Tampa Bay and win 11 games because he's going to have two fan-frickin-tastic receivers, and he's going to be pissed off. Well, so let me get to the Tampa Bay thing in a second. Again, I'm not saying he's not the GOAT. I'm saying he's not the most talented. And I think it's one of those conversational points that we'll, we'll never know. Like... No, we know this. Talent is overrated. Who cares? So so what does talent mean? That you can jump higher? Or th- I mean, look, you, you made an argument to say that he's never had anybody except for a one year with a Randy Moss. But he's also had Gronk for most of his career. And Gronk arguably is the best tight end to ever play the game. Sure. So For half of his career, he had Gronk. For half of his, half of his career. He also had an amazing defense for half of his career. Off and on. Not every year. Not consistent. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they were great. I mean, I look, they were look, above average. So he's won six. He's won six Super Bowls. It should be five, if not for an interception on a stupid play call by Pete Carroll. The same way that I can. The same way they can easily go seven. It can go five. So he, he again. I love Brady. So this is a weird point for me to try to argue against. I just I can't help but to think that if you had a Drew Brees in that system, how much better? How much more would they have won? I think they would have won, maybe lost one Super Bowl, not three. Oh, I think they would have lost. I think they would have lost twenty more games easily. If you had an, if you had an Aaron Rodgers in that system, how much better would they have been? They would have had two titles. It's debatable. Sure, it's a, it's an un, it's an unprovable concept. Exactly. But, but the reality of it is, and it's not just about winning titles. I'm not saying that's it because that does take a whole team. And Rodgers has a title, and and Rodgers under duress rolling to his left throwing off one foot there's no one on earth you're more afraid of with 45 seconds left to go in a game than Aaron Rodgers yeah, trust me as a Lions fan I know that twice yeah well as a Cowboys fan but Br- Brady he has 207 regular season wins it's the most all time and it's by a wide margin he has that killer instinct that nobody else has he has a Jordan instinct that Kobe instinct the the instinct that says I'm down by what thirty points in the Super Bowl and I'm gonna win. The instinct that says I've played a horrible game in a Super Bowl for three and a half quarters against a Rams team that has been amazing all year and guess what I'm gonna win. Yep, he's got that 
And that's what makes him the GOAT. It doesn't give you talent. It gives you drive. This talent thing is the dumbest thing you've ever argued. Because at this Tim point... Tebow, okay. Tim Tebow has that heart. And, and he didn't have the talent. And yeah, he won. But, I mean, like, if the heart doesn't give you talent. You know, um, I'm sure there are people that could jump higher than Jordan. I, I think Harold Miner comes to mind as someone who is physically probably more gifted than Michael was. You know, it didn't seem to matter when it was all done. Let's, let's use Dwight as a good MacGuffin Dwight for this who? one. Dwight who? Dwight, theoretically, what? should be the Dwight best center Howard? of all time. Why, why not? Are we talking about Dwight Howard? Well, you're talking about talent. But you're talking... He can jump out the gym. He's quick. He can pass. Dwight Howard. Yeah. Dwight Howard would have maybe been in that conversation if you ever heard his back. No. He wouldn't have been in the conversation no matter what. He came, because he, he came back from back injury, and then he became a cancer to every team. Because sports is bigger than just talent. It's bigger than just who can jump the highest. And this, out of all the dumb points you've made, and, and my friend, you've made some dumb ones in our time together. I don't know what you're talking about. Tom Brady not being the GOAT. I never said he wasn't the GOAT. You did. I said he's not the most talented you quarterback of all time. said what he does in Tampa Bay matters. I, I think what he does in Tampa Bay will matter, not to say he won't be the GOAT at the end of the day, but will matter to, to, to prove a point on whether he is as talented as he is successful. Who wins more games this year, Tampa Bay or New England? He's going to do he's going to win probably 10 11 games in Tampa Bay. He's also got a great coach in Bruce Arians and he's also got a freaking amazing offense and it's not just two wide receivers, it's also a, a fantastic tight end. How many games do the Patriots win this this season? Who's their quarterback? Brian <laughs> Brian Hoyer? <laughs> probably Jameis Winston. God no. Um, I think the Patriots win eight, and I don't think they win the division. And I think Tampa Bay wins ten, and they do win the division because they're in a crappy division. Although, while we're on the topic of who's going to win a lot of games, uh, do not sleep on Atlanta this year. Um, Here's my thought on the AFC South. You should always sleep on Atlanta, Carolina, well, Carolina's gonna be New boring. Orleans. Although Carolina did get Bridgewater, and if he plays like he played in New Orleans... Um, he'll be he'll be good. He'll be good for that I hate, team. I hate the NFC South because you can't predict it. One, one, two of those teams are going to be good. You can predict it. New Orleans will win. New Orleans will win the division. You can predict it. You've been been able to predict it the past five years. Well, no, they haven't won the division five years in a row. They've won the division like two of the last eight. But they're but they're in contention every time. They should have been. By the way, in the Super Bowl two years ago, they got that. I mean, talk about great plays or horrible plays, depending on what side of the ball you're on. Which would have changed the entire conversation. Yeah, it, it it changes it a bit. But what's really interesting, and this is where I I think it'll be weird to see how this plays out. I think I think Breeze is done. I don't think he's the starter for New Orleans by the end of the year. Um, he he looks like Peyton three years ago. Balls are wobbly. He uh he just doesn't have the arm anymore. Did Did you watch him play this past year? I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and he, he played. Wasn't he the, played good enough that they they benched a five and one Teddy Bridgewater when he came back. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's got it anymore. Look, by the end of the year, it was Taysom Hill that they were talking about. It wasn't, it wasn't Drew anymore. Hill is fantastic. Hill, Hill is a fantastic player. That I mean, he's 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 unique. I think he's starting by week nine. He is unique at what position? Because he can play them all. That's, that's quarterback. I mean, like you think about Hill and the way that he has played. I mean, he he can come in and play wide receiver, running back, quarterback, special teams, safety. I mean, this dude is this dude is legit. And Sean Payton has been 
the best coach for him and and giving him uh, the opportunity to shine. I want to go back to uh, Drew Brees real quick, and I want to ask you a question. Was San Diego trading Drew Brees for Phillip Rivers to or to get Phillip Rivers the worst decision they ever made? There were wildfires in California, so San Diego couldn't play their home games there. So they moved them to the Cardinals' old stadium, the one in Tempe that's the college stadium. And yep. I drove out at the time and went to a Monday night football game. And the reason I remember that game is I was sitting in the front row and we started a chant to bench Drew Brees because we wanted to see Doug Flutie play. <laughs> who's, who's also a great quarterback. He's not, but it's fine. <laughs> they, they benched Drew Brees. And at this time, Drew's, you know, he's, he's not, not going to be good. He looks like a bust. He looks like Ryan Leaf. And uh, they put in Flutie, and I remember being so happy about that. And now you look back, and and Drew's probably like the fifth or sixth best quarterback of all time. Um, it's fascinating, what you know. To your point, like he only plays what four seasons in San Diego, right? Two thousand one to two thousand five. He goes to New Orleans, and to the system question, like, is it because he got to New Orleans, he's playing on turf, and he's got Sean Payton? Would he have been that good anywhere else? I, I don't think so. So I, so I don't blame San Diego because I don't think in San Diego, Drew Brees wins anything. Um, Philip Rivers was a gifted quarterback as well, but the teams around him were never good enough. And, and the, the coaching staff wasn't good enough. And minus the kind of LT era of fantasy, like San Diego never really lived up to what they should have been. So I, I don't think it's a bad trade in the grand scheme of things but it's uh I, I don't know it's funny to think of how that would have been or or what if philip rivers ends up in new york and eli ends up in san diego like yeah i don't I, I might have to push back a little bit on philip rivers not having a good team around him i think there was eras where he had an amazing team around him he just never had good coaching i mean you th- i mean yeah lt is part of it but and you know don't forget about gates again one of the best tight ends to ever play don't forget about Seau, one of the best linebackers to ever play. He had teams around him. And, I mean, you look at his numbers, and, you know, if he could just throw the ball to the other team a little bit less, his numbers would be incredible. Um, he just never had good coaching. So, yeah, I agree there. And who knows? if Maybe if Brees stayed there with the same coaching that Rivers had, he wouldn't be where he is today. And Eli, <laughs> well... Um, the thing that breaks my heart about Eli is that his brother was a hundred times better in every way as a quarterback. And yet Eli has the same number of Super Bowl rings because of flukes. Yeah, but that's where, and this is where I'm not, you know, I'll take the other position of like, I'm not Super Bowls are the only answer because at the end of the day, you know, Brett Favre and Philip Rivers aren't that different. Like they're, you know, Favre was better, but it's not like world-class different. They both, uh, were risky with the ball, made bad decisions, y- you know, it, it, and it's not to knock anything about Brett Favre, but like there's a, there's this other tier of quarterbacks, this like second level where you get into the Russell Wilson's and the Brett Favre's and the Phillip Rivers and the Eli Manning's and the Warren Moon's and the Jim Kelly's and the Kurt Warner's where I don't know where they all stack rank. I don't know where Roethlisberger fits with all of those, um, but they're not the top tier guys. I mean, the top tier guys the the Tom Brady's, the John Elway's, the Peyton Manning's, you know, the uh, Joe Montana, probably Johnny Unitas, although I never watched him play, so I don't have any 
real clue if he's actually as good as you know people would put him in. But that's a different group of humans. Um, you just and, and there's something special. You just listed maybe a dozen quarterbacks, and the one person you have still not even mentioned is Dan Marino, at all. And I'm I was never a Marino fan, but I mean, an amazing quarterback with amazing stats who never won a title, and he's just not even in conversations, probably because he never won a title. I think Marino is the lowest person on the first floor of quarterbacks. So if if you maybe there's seven or eight people on that group, right? So you take all those people I just mentioned. The last one before you notch down is Dan Marino. I mean, Dan was amazing to watch. He had a freaking cannon. His release was the fastest in the league. Um. And he probably should have won a title. Uh, you know, I don't, it's no knock on Dan Marino as a quarterback. He was a great quarterback, but I, I don't know. Can you, can you put him ahead of Drew Brees? No, I wouldn't do that at all. I think that's where he fits right below Drew. But I don't think Drew is the second to last on that list of first top seven. You think Dan's better than seven? No, no. I'm saying Drew is not just slightly better than Dan. No, I think he is. I think he's number six or, 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 or you know, five or six. Okay. I'll go Brady, Montana, Peyton. Okay. I mean. So here, Steve Young, is he in the conversation? He's behind Staubach and Elway. But he's in the conversation. Elway's in the conversation. He's in the top 12. R- Favre is in the conversation. Top 15. Terry Bradshaw. No. No? No. No. He wasn't actually good at being quarterback. Troy Aikman. There's a the goose is gonna lose his goddamn mind. He's got like Derek Bradshaw <laughs> one freaking five Super Bowls or something. Yeah, but he but with the the freaking best offensive line in NFL history. <sighs> who was your other one? Who did you say? Aikman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aikman's like fourteen, thirteen, somewhere in there. Kelly. Uh six Super Bowls, yeah. zero wins. Talk about a <laughs> rough life, right? Like he just just a buzzsaw. He just he's... six Super Bowls, zero wins. <laughs> I feel so you know, bad for you know Bills what? fans. He is literally the exact opposite of Tom Brady. Six Super Bowls, zero wins. Yeah. God, what a rough existence. Kelly was great though. Yeah. Yeah. Top twenty, I guess. <sighs> but number one, Tom Brady. The goat. I, he's the goat. He's not the most talented quarterback of all time. <sighs> well. Friends, thanks for joining us for episode four of the QCast. We are we're gonna run this baby back for we'll have a mirror on for like episode six or seven. Um, and he would like to take the position that Babe Ruth is not the greatest baseball player of all time. He's not. He's not the greatest baseball player of all time. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, not the greatest hockey player of all time. There's some other people you could put in the conversation, but Gretzky probably Ooh, is the greatest. Lemieux? No. Uh Gordy Howe. Oh God! You can argue Gordy Howe. Maybe Lemieux. It's great. But by the way, I would argue that Barry Bonds is the greatest baseball player of all time. Oh, geez. okay, that's it. Podcast <laughs> over. It's done. Actually, the feed's over. You can see Amir on Twenty One Pod, his local podcast network, where he says really stupid things for twenty one minutes. Uh, like Barry Bonds is the greatest player of all time. Uh, he also has a full episode on steroids. If you'd like to listen to that.